Ladies and gentlemen, it's Tuesday, April 21st. Welcome to another episode of Awesome People. Uh, tonight's guest is a very uh, special, funny, hilarious friend of mine that I can't wait to introduce. But in the meantime, I hope that you're continuing to stay healthy, that you're continuing to take care of your loved ones and just, you know, social distancing and making the best out of being inside of your homes. Uh, my guest tonight, his name is Amir Kay. He's a comedian. He's an actor, writer, known for his roles and appearances in Matt TV, Argo, Adam Devine's House Party, and comedy stores around the country and even abroad, including the world-famous Laugh Factory. And for my fellow Persians in the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area, I have no doubt that you've laughed your ass off when he's come alongside uh, Maz Jobrani and Tehran. Um, super, super funny, always a great show, but more importantly, an awesome person. That's why he's here. Before I bring him on, though, let's have a little snippet of his talents. I'm Iranian. I'm proud of that. I'm proud of my heritage. I am. I just uh, I hate the negative stigma attached to being Middle Eastern in this country. It's bullshit. And it used to bother me a lot when I was a kid. Like if someone treated me differently when they found out I was Iranian, I'd get pissed. Now I just have fun with that shit. I just like if I get really drunk now, <laughs> I'll just walk by a random group of people. I just. Khalwala. <laughs> <laughs> October 13th. Khalwa! <laughs> it's so fucking fun. It's so fun. I can say any date and it freaks them out. Dude, if you were hanging out with your buddies and I just walked up and went, November 5th, Khalwa! You'd be like, what the fuck is going to happen on November 5th? Nothing, man. It's just fun to do. I tell all my Middle Eastern friends, do that shit, any date, have fun with it, pick your birthday, fuck it. <laughs> but if you say the date right after, you gotta do the huh, huh, huh. That's the scary part. That shit you hear in the terrorist, that's our music, by the way, you know that. Just some asshole in a tower going, yeah. <laughs> why, why, every one of our singers is on fire? Why do they sound like that? Yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I hope that uh, you started off this evening with a lot of laughter. Hopefully that helped. And the laughter shall continue for at least another 56 minutes because I'm here with my homie, Amir. What's up, Amir? What's up, player? How you doing, dog? Good, man. Thank you so much for making time and, uh, and being a part of one of my awesome people episodes, which have been created due to this damn coronavirus. How are you handling this shit? I appreciate it, dog. Well, I couldn't say no, really, to you. <laughs> you <laughs> ran out of excuses. <laughs> I have nowhere to go, man. <laughs> no. I would have done it anyway, man. Yeah, it's cool that you're doing this. I mean, you know, thanks Thank for having you, me on. It's a, it's a, you know, people are dying for something to watch, you know, like some content and like, I guess this is cool. Yeah, man. And, you, and you, you've, already, you, you've already set up uh, some nice digs as you created your own podcast lately. So this is for you? Is this was this for the show? Oh, just <laughs> no, this is, this is for, yeah, this is for my podcast, but it works out nice that we can do this like over the, over, you know, the internet. Yeah, you know, for sure. So it's called it's called Salty Locks. So uh, I mean, did, did this coronavirus literally push you into uh, doing this podcast? And, and how's it been so far? I, I've enjoyed the first two episodes, but what's been your own reaction to it? Thanks, man. Yeah, it actually did. Like I, I you know, um, I I was like waiting to do one. I always wanted to do a podcast. You know, a lot of comedian friends of mine have have some successful podcasts, and 
I uh, just kept putting it off. I kept putting it off like anything. And I'm like a professional procrastinator, man. You know, like if, it, if something doesn't force me to do it, I almost like I can put anything off. So finally, I was just like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's do it. You know, I got nowhere to go. <laughs> Let and us how, see what's up. It's been fun. And yeah, what's what's like the, the difference between doing that to entertain people versus, you know, nothing replicates live experiences. But are you are you enjoying this type of uh, performance? I'm actually having fun with it. You know, at first it was a little weird because, you know, I'm by myself. Yeah. And it's like you don't have that immediate gratification of a crowd laughing or, you know, that response that we just like as a comedian, I guess you crave it, you know. Yeah, you want and, that laughter. I'm just so like stir crazy at the house. But it's been a good outlet, actually. You know, I get to talk about ideas instead of like, you know, I have, this is the longest period of time I haven't been on stage, you know, is this yeah. month that we've been in lockdown. And up until the very last day I was in New York, you know, working at the Comedy Cellar and like, up until the very, very, very last day of like shutdown and all of a sudden life changed. So I was like, well, how do we adapt? You know, how do I get my outlet? And uh, it became the podcast doing the, you know, telling stories, shooting the shit and talking to my fans that way, I guess. So you're talking about like, you know, adapting and stuff. Would you say that you've adapted? Like, have you kind of come to terms with, with what might be our, our life for the next few months at least? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm trying to make the best of it, you know, like trying to keep positive with it, but it is, it's driving me crazy. You know, I want to get back to, um, working and, you know, touring and all that stuff. You know, we had to postpone shows, cancel shows, push them back. And, you know, that's not good. That's never good. And, it, and, it, and when you're so used to that, that life of like being, you know, every weekend I was flying somewhere new to do, do gigs and stuff. And now I'm just, I'm, I've never been home this, this long amount of time and not yeah. working. So I feel like I'm, being non-productive, but that's why I started to do like other things, like focusing on maybe like watching some of my old tapes and cutting those clips up to put out, that's you know, nice. starting the podcast, just staying productive. Like, you know, I doing little projects around the house, you know, I don't think I've adapted. And if this is the way it's going to be, man, I don't like it. I mean, I think the fact that you created your own podcast and you're focusing on editing old content, like that means that you're making the best out of this time. So it starts there. there, there everyone's getting a little bit creative today. I saw actually that the Laugh Factory was having like a live stream of like their, you know, those kind of stuff. What what do, you, what do you think about, you know, all these adaptations that these world famous comedy stores are doing too? I don't know. I mean, some, I don't know if I'm a huge fan of that, that format of like, you know, doing it with no one there. Cause that's the yeah. whole art form is that being in the room is that the, the lecture, the electric, I don't know how I'm saying electricity. <laughs> yeah. Just like the electrifying feeling of the audience and everything, you know, I'm, uh, fumbling with my words here but you know what i mean it's like being in the room is totally different than doing it you know and then seeing it through a screen far away and with no response it's, it just it doesn't feel right you know so i hope that's not what it's going to come to where no one's in the audience and we got to go up on a stage and talk to nobody because that's going to be fucking nuts yeah because I, I would assume that as a comedian i mean like you you dictate where to go in your set based on the response of that room so like if you're not having it you're just talking to a wall i mean i would assume that's it's just, you're out of your, you're completely out of your element. I think doing a podcast is better than something like that. Exactly. And that's, I mean, it's just like at that point, just do a monologue, you know? And the way that I like to perform is I like to feel the room, you know, like I'll riff and improvise and shit like yeah. that. So it's hard to do that when you have nothing to bounce off of, or like you have nothing, you know, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like it could be stream of conscious, like a stream of conscious set, like where I'm doing my podcast. That's pretty much now what I've adapted to do, but I, sure. I, I would way prefer performing you know, with the audience there. So I don't know. I don't know. I mean, a lot of comics are doing, I don't know about a lot, but there's like a lot of the younger comics are doing um, 
you know, shows on Zoom and stuff like that. And, you know, if they're having fun with it, I guess it's, you know, I'm not going to knock it, but, you know, I, I don't know if that would be my, my, my platform. Yeah, I, I, think, I think for some people, they just look at it, uh, especially beginners, it's good practice, I guess. I mean, <laughs> any, any opportunity to perform and, and speak and, you know, try your things out mm-hmm. is better and, than, than nothing, I guess. But um, I'll get to your style of comedy in a little bit because I definitely have, you know, my, my questions about that. But for those that don't know you, I know you were born in Iran and like around five years old, you, you came on over here and uh, I was watching one of your past podcasts or interviews with somebody and you mentioned how, you know, when you didn't know anybody's language, like when you didn't know English, you kind of were just hearing people jibber jabber and like that's kind of how the imitation of different languages kind of derive from. And while I was watching that, I was like, man, I wonder if Amir would have been like the funny guy if he was born and raised in Iran. Do you ever think about that? I do. I, I mean, I trip out on that a lot because like, Life would have been so different, you know. I don't know. I don't know exactly when you came, but you know, I was so young that like when I was ten. Yeah, you were ten, so we're right around the same time, you know. But you know, if we stayed there, our lives would be totally different. Like the way we interact. I mean, it's just the culture is so different, you know, here and there. Yeah. And what is you know, like a reasonable career, or even like I don't even know. We don't, you know, we wouldn't have had this type of route to go down, you know, or whatever. But I, I definitely know, think. I'm, you are who you are. Sorry, like your personality, I think, is you are who you are. So I probably would be just a funny guy over there, but I don't know what that would... The bad part is you would just be suppressed over there. So that I think that's even more crushing is the fact that there are so many people that are super funny in Iran that they cannot, you know, right now you can't get on stage, but, you know, they can never go on stage and, and be the, the kind of funny that you are and, and the type of comedy that you do, which now is a good t- time to transition to it, you know, especially amongst the Iranian comics. Uh, you are you are the one that uses the most loose language and you know kind of <laughs> kind of get you know for lack of a better word you know uh, but you know um, it's the first question I have for you is that at first when you were starting off in comedy were you reserved and if so when were you able to really open up and be like you know what fuck this you know I'm just gonna really just be me because it's, I'm sure it was holding you back you know. Absolutely. And like, the, you know, it wasn't at first, at first, first, I was just doing open mics and talking how I talk. And, you know, the, the whole thing is like trying to get with stand up is trying to get to that voice. That's really you. So when you go on stage, they're seeing exactly how you are, you know, like the guy is like, you don't want to go up and see a character of, a, you know, like, or a fake version of whoever you are, you know, so like, I talk loose, I talk, you know, with that shit, fuck, whatever I say that. So I don't yeah. think it's that bad when I go on stage. But you know, for our culture and our people, it was only when I started touring with Maz that I started to feel like, oh shit, like they're not responding to, you know, when I would curse or something, they'd be like, hey, it should be tag, you know, like they yeah. start to respond that way. And I didn't really give a fuck because I was like, I'm doing this, you know, as an art form that I just want to be able to do what I do, you know, like I don't want people to tell me how I should be able to do this, you know, I want to paint with the colors I want to paint with. You know, yeah. and if you don't like it, just, you don't have to fucking buy this work, you don't have to look at my art, you know, you can go on and do something else but so at first it was challenging like dealing with those audiences because i'd have to night after night be like fucking you know after the meeting greets you know they'd come and everyone says hi afterwards you know and then the older people would be like, you know you should really stop using those languages and you know and tell me <laughs> to be like maz or you know whatever it is and i love maz to death he's my big bro in the game you know yeah he gave me a lot of opportunities and i still you know i always looked up to him and I just knew that I was a little bit different for a different style. Like I wanted to be for the, you know, Iranian Americans that grew up here. Not that Maz didn't, but like the young fucking like 
you know, they don't give a shit. Like they have more of a mentality of an American mentality than the Iranian mentality, which there's right. nothing wrong with it. But there is some of the cultural stuff that's like, you know, the shame. You did a chajolat showing shit. I fucking hate that stuff, you know? Yeah. Like be so, embarrassed. Don't do this. Don't do that. It's like, I don't want to be like that. So would you say like um, you've kind of like, would you say that you kind of dibble dabbled in the Persian scene, but then now you're like, you know what, it's just not my cup of tea? Or have you found a niche in the Persian scene as well that they, that, you know, the, the ones that you know that you can still enjoy performing in front of? Yeah, look, I have nothing against the Persian community, you know, like I absolutely right. don't. I would love to have and I, I like, you know, if, and I've had like younger Iranian Americans that message me and go, hey, man, or even, you know, in Canada or wherever. They go, hey, man, you know, like you inspired me to go do stand up, which is awesome because Maz did that for me. So I yeah. love that that we're opening up and like, you know, paving ways for our culture to be like, hey, we can do this, too. Look, there's a guy doing it. There's another guy doing it. And there's, yeah. you know, in our community, there's still not that many Iranians. I mean, mm -hmm. comedians doing, you know, that are Iranian doing stand up. So I think that's lame. Like, why don't we why don't more people pursue it? You know, so I hope that I can open yeah. up some more of that to to where it's like, oh, it's not just where you do stand up and you have to only do Iranian jokes. Like, you yeah. know, I, anyone could watch me and laugh, you know, uh, yeah. you know, from the Latino community, the white community, the black community, you know, I don't care where you're from, Asian community. We're all just having a good time. That's, that's who I'm for. I want to be for everyone. And if I can inspire some Iranian Americans that have my experience to do, do the same thing, that's, that's amazing, you know, and I, and I'd love to perform for Iranian people. I love it. But I hate yeah. when afterwards, like, you should do more, more. And they tell me what to do. I don't want, I don't like that shit. Because that's, that's, that's their specialty. You know, I'd get a fan. You know, I'd get, get a fan telling you what to do. You know, yeah, for sure, dude. So, so that's like the audience. What about like your family and stuff? Like how, how was that as a, you know, growing up as a young Iranian American, trying to break through and find your tr true self and be that truth teller, which I love that title for comedian that you guys are truth tellers, you know, because if, if a comedian is in its truest form, they are truth tellers, you know? And so, um, how, how was that growing up? How uh, frustrating. Uh, what do you mean growing up? Uh, growing up? I mean, I just like Khaled, Amez, you know, grandmothers, like, you know, yeah. how, how were they responding to your style? Well, my family, I mean, my family that's come see me, they, they know that I'm like, you know, it's kind of stubborn with the way that I do things. So I never really, um, really took that into account like oh i'm not gonna do it. i i realized that that was all bullshit when i had that i had that mentality for years where like oh i gotta make my parents proud they brought me here you know mm -hmm. so let me let me like do what they wanted which was to go to school and then go to law school and do all that I, I was planning that route and as i got older i'm like fuck you only get one life you only get one shot at this whole thing yeah and are you gonna live it for somebody else or are you gonna live it for yourself you know like and that's when i realized i'm like dude i'm not gonna fucking pursue any of that just because you know, the culture says, be a doctor, be a lawyer, be the engineer, whatever. Like, I don't, I, that's not my bag. I don't like, I don't enjoy that. So why would I pursue that? You know, and I, I realized that that was all like snake oil, you know, like that was the bullshit they sold us when we were kids, you know, and then you see miserable doctors, miserable lawyers, you know, these guys aren't happy. It's like, and then the parents are bragging about their kid. This is one thing that our culture does. Like, oh, I'm, I'm doctor. Am I? Is he a good person or not? I don't give a fuck. What he does. <laughs> I don't care. Is he a good person? Is he happy? Probably, right. you know, not. I don't know. Some of them are. Some are like miserable. Yeah. You know, but well, he's still. Is it still a dentist? You know, it's like, I don't know. I just thought that was bullshit. What was the What was the turning point when you were like, "This is it, man. This is my passion, and I'm going full force, and I don't care what anybody else fucking thinks." Was there Was there a moment, or it just gradually just kind of happened? Well, I think for me, it's a little different than most 
most of like the scenarios, like a lot of like you're running, you know, guys, especially will live at home for a while. You know what I mean? They live at home extended period of time. I was out of the house when I was like 17. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I was like 17, 18, I was out. So I was like kind of on my own and really, you know, I don't think they knew what I was, what dealings I was doing or whatever. You know what I mean? They weren't so involved right. with it. Like my parents just, they, they weren't, you know, like on top of everything. Right. You know, we had like a little bit different upbringing than a normal Iranian family or something. So I just, I don't, I don't think I cared early on, but you know, it was, that was a worry for me when I was younger. Like when I lived with my dad and shit, I was like, Oh, I got to make him proud, you know, whatever, whatever. Right. Now it's like, they don't, they, all they wanted. And, and this is the, this is the problem. It's like all the, the Iranian parents want is that, you know, they know that they gave up so much to come here, you know, and all this thing yeah. that they went through, all they want is for us to have, you know, pick a career choice that's going to be, you know, prosperous and be like, you know, something that you can like legitimately make a living at. And, and uh, entertainment is so fucking hard that -hmm. they're like, they try to stray away from anything like that because they know it's like, that's a shot in the dark, man. You know, you may one in a million, you may not make it like that's a very high possibility, but you know, what's a sure possibility is if you go to law school, you become a lawyer, you're going to make some money or you go to you know medical school become a doctor so it's not malicious the way that they're doing it oh yeah it's a it's a safer route but it's not the one that leads to happiness necessarily you know like some who do have that that, yeah right and that's where our culture i think sometimes is is uh lacking is that 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 thing of like hey man do what makes you happy instead of do what makes people look at you and say your status is high you feel me yeah. Like sometimes they're like, oh, no, no, just do something that you can drive the nice car and drive the whatever and have the whatever, you know, and your parents can tell, you know, their friends that, you know, you're a doctor or whatever. And it makes them look like their status is higher because of that, you know. If yeah. you had to go if you had to go back to the American who was just starting to do comedy, uh, what is like one of the things that you would do differently knowing what you knew now? One of the things I would do differently. Man, I don't know. I think. uh Everyone just has so many, there's so many different routes to do it that I don't think that there's one thing I could, I could pick and say, I I wish I just didn't care earlier, you know, like didn't give a fuck more earlier. Like when I realized the biggest turning point was just don't give a fuck what people think when you're on stage. If I, if I could have got to that earlier, which, which it's hard to say because it takes you years of bombing or like figuring that out to get good. Do you know what I'm saying? So you can't go back and say, oh, I, because then that would, I would have been a different me now. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, so actually speaking of which, one question that I was going to ask you is, how do you handle hecklers? <laughs> That's so funny. Um, I haven't seen it live where you've gotten heckled to like uh, an nth degree, so I'd, I'd love to hear some stories. Yeah, over the years, you just get better and better at handling it, you know? It's like once you come, like at first you get a little nervous because, you, you know, you can't hold the stage. But once, now it's like, dude, once you become like a professional comedian, it's like the guy's in for a shitstorm if he thinks that he's going to out heckle a fucking professional comedian you know what i mean yeah i do this for a living so i don't know i mean it's not my favorite thing to do but i don't if something if it happens i I like to think i can handle it quite easily you know but like do you like mostly ignore or do you like do you respond to every single one of them or you just wait and wait until these guys are just picking on you too much because it's usually just a douchebag i feel like for you to be a heckler you have to you're a douchebag i mean there is no good person that like heck no it's so. usually like some drunk attention somebody wants attention and they're drunk you know yeah like a pretty girl in the front who's heckling because 
She's drunk and wants attention. There's so many, or a drunk asshole guy in the back, you know, who thinks yeah. he's funnier than you. He wanted to do stand-up, but he never had the balls to get up and actually go to an open mic. So now he sits in the back and in front of his friends, he thinks he's being funny. But, like, I've learned over the thing, you just give these guys enough rope and let them do the talking, dude, they hang themselves, you know? So, like, then the audience will turn on them in their own way. And I've seen guys handle it beautifully, and I've learned, you know, from watching guys like Chappelle or somebody, like, you know, they just, yeah. the way that with tact and how they handle it with grace. And I've done it where I've gone fucking so mean, you know, in my early years that I'd get so pissed off that it would almost turn the audience off in a way. So now I've learned to, like, you know, finesse it in a way that you can handle it where everyone leaves like still happy and having a good time even the guy that was heckling and got bashed he's leaving happy you know but so they are right now. they are some that are malicious heckler shit drunk guys you could just never talk sense into them and sometimes they're just like over the top and the you know security will come and just take them out or something you know well that would make it a lot easier if security comes uh you just mentioned right now how you learn from other people Who's a, who's a comedian that you would pay a thousand dollars to go sit front row dead or alive Probably prior. I wish I would have got to see him perform live. Yeah. Oh wow. I really like. It, it. Is would you say that he was like the person that even when you were younger that you were like that's who I want to be? Or now that you're looking back at your career, you've seen a lot of his work, you've grown like an affinity towards him. Yeah, because I, I saw how he how he does his thing, you know, and it's like that. I think because he wore his heart on his sleeve up there, you know, he just talked the way he wanted to talk, and he, even the stories that were just made him look bad, you know, he'd still tell it. You know what I'm saying? And like, he was just the real deal, man. And that shit, like, I wish I would have got to see him live and just, because when I was a kid, I didn't even know stand up. you know, it wasn't like, I wasn't exposed to those guys early on. You know what I mean? Mm. Like I, I watched like Martin when I was a kid, you know, the show Martin, yeah, like, sure. uh, Jim Carrey on In Living Color and like those guys, like, yeah, that's what I, that's the type of comedy. And Robin Williams, I would see him in movies and stuff like that, or Chris Farley in SNL. And that's the type of comedy I would see. And I was like, uh, you know, oh, dude, this is fucking, that looks fun. I want to do that shit. You know, that's the type of stuff. And then later on, I got into like, oh, dude, look at all this other comedy, like the Priors. And, you know, you see the Carlin, George Carlin's and even Eddie Murphy and stuff like that. You know, I started watching those later in like high school and college, you know. I mean, all, all the comedians that you're mentioning are some of the smartest comedians as well. And like, mm -hmm. that's what I appreciate about your comedy as well, is that there is there's substance behind it. There's comedy, but then there's also intelligence behind it. Uh, so you were just talking about some of these shows you were in, like in Living Color. Mad TV being on there must have been a huge, huge uh, opportunity for you. Can you kind of go back to when you when you first got the call or the email that you're like, hey, you're going to be a part of this? Yeah, it was really cool, man. That one that was a really, you know, one of those career things where you're like, oh, this is really, you know, I've kind of gotten somewhere that I used to watch that show and watch Bobby Lee and Will Sasso and all those guys that I, you know, I was like, man, like, again, those were guys I was like, I want to fucking do that job. I want to do whatever that is, even more so yeah. than SNL, you know, because I was like. I would watch, you know, In Living Color, Mad TV and those type, like it was like more the ethnic version of the SNL where it was just, you know, white people or something to me. So um, I like, I like those shows. And when I got the freaking, when I booked Mad TV, I was so excited to like be a part of that whole, you know, the institution. So it was really cool. I was with my friends. We were like all having like a, we were at a diner and then I remember I got it. I'm like, oh my God, or I got the call. <laughs> and then I was around some of my buddies. It was a really cool feeling. How, I'm, I'm assuming that like you would love to kind of be on SNL. Is there like do people like do you guys have to apply or do they just hit you up like when when you're like SNL, what's what's the what's something that you have to do to even be considered to be a part of those things? Well, you got to audition, and I I never really auditioned. Like I said, I, when Mad TV came back, that was something that, and it was in LA, you know, like SNL is in New York, so I was never mm. like 
I was never, and I loved stand-up so much that I wasn't like so sold on the sketch thing, you know? And then they had brought In Living Color back for a short period, and I, I was like really excited about that. They were going to do a reboot of In Living Color. Hmm. It never came to fruition, but they were like auditioning and stuff. So that was really excited about those. So SNL wasn't my main, or and has never been my main thing, you know? Like after doing Mad TV, I was like, oh, maybe SNL will be cool, but I just still never really auditioned for it. But you got to audition. You got to send a tape, and you do like multiple characters and stuff like that. And then, um, you know, you send it over there. If they like you, they bring you into audition for Lauren Michaels, you know, and uh, you do that at the studio. So, you know, at, at, at Rockefeller Center or wherever it is, you know. Pretty, pretty interesting. So uh, talking about um, imitating different people, you, you obviously do a wide range of imitations. My first question is, do you have a personal favorite? And the second one is, did that derive from just a childhood being like in that area of California where you just had an eclectic group of people that kind of that you were exposed to? I think so. I, yeah, I've talked about this before on like podcasts or interviews or whatever. I think like thinking about it, the more and more I would do stand up, I was like, how or how, figure out, you know, where I got these tools to do what I do on stage or something. And it's all how you, you know, grow up. So when I came here, I was a foreign kid and I was around all these different races and ethnicities and I would learn how to speak English by mimicking them. So I, you know, like by learning. So then I, I learned how to like the art of mimicry, I guess. And at an early age, so I think that kind of translated now to what I do on stage. When I develop a character, I do a character. You're like, Oh fuck the people in the audience. Can be, oh, I relate to that guy. I know that guy because you know, I've mimicked it so well or whatever, but yeah, characters more so than impressions. I don't really like to do, like impressions of actors or anything like that. I don't, you know, I never was into that. But like do a you, character. Do you do you ever get people that get offended by some of the imitations? Or you just brush think, them off? Not really, no. I mean, I don't, I don't think, I think if, one, I think I'm ethnic, so that kind of gives me a little bit more of a pass, you know, than, you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm an immigrant, dude, so whatever. Yeah. Not saying that you can, but it seems to be that gives you a little bit more of a pass to do like ethnic characters, you know? But yeah, I know the times have changed and whatever, but I think if you do the character well and not like in a stereotypically negative way, you know what I'm saying? Like right. you hit it on the head. It's like, I can only do the character because I know those motherfuckers. You know what I mean? Like I know that guy. So that's why it looks so good, the character. So you can't tell me that I'm being racist if I'm actually doing a homie of mine. You know, like you can't, this just doesn't work. Like I mean, that, that, that one video of you, the Time Warner one, I mean, like, I feel like everybody has experience. Right. <laughs> and I've had guys, dude, like Priyash, my managers at Olive Garden, you know, like these guys that I've, like, molded these characters off of that I've dealt with I love. That, and I've only gotten to be able to be good at doing those characters by spending a lot of time with them, you know? So they all have, like, a certain place in my heart that I fucking love these guys so much that I'm able to figure out every one of their little nuances and little things, you know, by just being around them, you know? Um, so I, I know under the umbrella of comedy, there's different things. We just mentioned sketch. There's obviously stand-up. Is there a particular type of comedy that you genuinely want to uh, flourish even more? Because like you, you made like the Uber Bros. Is that actually your brother, by the way? No, that's da that's actually Dan Adut's brother. That's David. Ah, okay. Dan okay. is a very funny Iranian comedian. Okay. American comedian. And I've seen his tweets. I've seen it like screenshot. I've seen Iranian Dan, guy. But, yeah. So Dan's dope. And then his brother, Dave, is very funny, too. And he does more of, like, the sketch. And he would do a duo act. And he lived in New York. He's actually in L.A. now. But they're both really good friends of mine and okay. just uh, very sweet brothers, man. I love those guys. But, yeah, he, so 
Dave came here and he's like, dude, we should do something. So we just threw that together. And the Iranian community, by the way, hates that fucking sketch. They do? They really yeah, dude. They don't. I mean, because it's like, <laughs> that's like, a, you know, they go, why do you show us in such a negative, like, fucking, Iranians <laughs> can't make fun of themselves, dude. Iranians have the hardest time and it's so fucking annoying. <laughs> do not like that. That's not the people. It's like, shut the fuck up, dude. It's funny. <laughs> just laugh at it. It's so annoying. Man, now that you say this, I can say something. I actually, originally this afternoon for like promos for tonight, yeah. I originally posted the Uber one. And then I was like, I took it off. I was like, you know what? This might be a little too edgy and I'm going to yeah. get shit for it. But I loved it myself. I Dude, just people wanna... like it that don't that aren't Iranian. But the Iranian people, they go, why are you showing us like we are pe peasant? It's like, dude, you fucking idiot. There is people like that that are Iranian, you know? And there's also like the fucking wealthy Iranians. But every Iranian wants to put this like big air of like, we're so much, you know, proud. And it's this fucking ego that's so lame, you know? And it's just so fucking lame. And it's, I have it in me as well. You know, the pride and the ego. My dad yeah. has it. Like, yeah. And it's just sickening because it's, that's one thing in, in me that I fucking hate that is part of the culture. And it just, you know, it's one of those things. Yeah. And that's as, why as, another as a thing, whole, like, we need to tune it down <laughs> as dude, a whole. Yeah. And, and that's what's hard in, in general when I'm on stage, like making fun of myself or something. Like most Iranians don't do that type of shit, you know? Yeah. Like where you're kind of like self deprecating or talking shit about something or, you know, even like, talking about your family in a way that's real you know what i mean because they hide it and they don't want to talk negatively about anything you know but these are real issues that we should we have to fucking face and deal with too we're talking about going to therapy that's just <laughs> something we don't do you don't do that <laughs> but i think i think now like our our newer generation i feel like we've talked about it so much that i think that our parents uh and even grandparents they are starting to just kind of get it that listen man you know our kids our grandkids have been raised now in a completely different society. I mean, like, you got to also understand where, where they're coming from, you know, they have also just been a product of their environment, you know, and Absolutely. so uh, during this kind of transition, you know, they need to cool it down. But we also just need to kind of be like all of us more understanding. But, um, you know, we, we know our shortcomings as a, as a whole. <laughs> I agree. As, as yeah, of course. Um, dude, man, I'm having a great time here. We're going to take a one minute break. And then we're going to come back and we're going to do a little rapid fire session. And then there's some other fun questions that I have uh, from you as well. So, okay. ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned. We're going to be coming back with Amir K. Need some space? Introducing the Space Sting. Perfectly crafted to keep you exactly six feet away from others. Your order will also include the body grip to free up your hands to enjoy that OJ. Order now for just $9.99. All jokes aside, now more than ever, you need to be mindful of your health, look out for your loved ones, and take social distancing seriously like we are right now. With your free time, we encourage you to invest in yourself personally and professionally. And that's what we're here for. As experienced business, branding, and video content specialists, we wanna help you create a strong foundation to withstand the storm. And since we're all in this together, we wanna to offer you a free coaching session. We would love to help everyone, but unfortunately with limited bandwidth, we're only able to select a few businesses. So click on the link below and in our bio for more information and to apply now. Let's unite and conquer.
All right, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Tonight we have my special friend, not special friend, my friend who's hilarious, Amir K. And we're going to get to him in a second. But I want to take a little moment. Uh, you know, I've done these episodes about 12 or 13 of them with uh, Andy Madaudian, Maj Jobrani, uh, you know, Farzi Loco, DJ Bliss, uh, Bita Milanian, Tehran, so many different people that um, I'm really very appreciative of uh, spending their time to you know, make these episodes happen, you know, like they, they still, no matter what the quarantine is, they are very, very busy in their lives. And I appreciate every single one of them making time. But one of the main reasons why I do these awesome people episodes, in addition to, you know, highlighting some of my really, really talented and hardworking friends is to share the promos like you saw, like um, for Night Owls and our, and our coaching, you know, we really want to be able to help small business owners during this really, really difficult time. I'm blessed to have an amazing team around me for the Night Owls team, United Conquer team. And all we do is try to help as many small businesses as possible. So uh, if you know of any small businesses that would like to have a little coaching session, we're offering free coaching session. And uh, feel free to message me uh, at any time. We'd love to guide you through these um, turbulent times. And hopefully we can be of service for you as it relates to sales, marketing, branding, content creation, video, even podcast. So just wanted to give that a little plug. Now I'm back with my good friend, Amir. Sorry, Amir, I had to just kind of have a little chit-chat with our crowd. How yeah, are you? It's beautiful, you bro. The things you do is great, man. You've always been a G, dude. Ever since I met you, you know, yeah. years ago with Maz coming through DC, bro. That's right. You're seven, eight years ago. And you're always the cool, coolest dude, man. So I, Thank you, man. And I love what you do for the community. That's really great. I appreciate that very much. Likewise. Friend. And uh, yeah. I did. I love DC. DC is a beautiful city, man. I love it. It is, man. I'll just talking to my boy. My right. boy Ali Reza, he's probably watching this shit right now. Ali Reza from, from Shamshiri. You know Shamshiri? All right. Yeah, of course I know Shamshiri. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that I don't way. have this gut for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the best food. Shout out to Shamshiri. And yeah, for sure. Order the food from them. In the yeah, corner. support them. Order And call directly. Don't call Uber Eats. Just call them out directly. Yeah. You know, let the restaurant Ali will bring get that, that shit to your door, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. So but yeah, fun. hopefully we get it. I mean, I'm in Miami now for, for a couple months. Oh, but hopefully one day... Oh. Yeah, I've been going back and forth. I've been expanding to Miami. I decided to hunker down with the family. So I've been in, in sunny Miami for a while. Sorry to bother you, Tony. <laughs> Tony Montana up in here. All right, my friend, we're going to do a little fun game, switch up the monotony, a little bit fun game of rapid fire. You know, um, I'm going to try to make it as least cheesy as possible. Hopefully there are questions that you haven't been asked before. So um, let's start this game of rapid fire. I won't do too many. I'll do like seven or eight. First of all, who is your favorite superhero and why? Superhero, man. I'm not as into the Marvel world, but I'll say Batman. Okay. Who do you admire the most? Admire the most? Probably my dad. Yeah. Nice. Favorite cartoon character? Oh, dude. Mickey Mouse. <laughs> All right. Actually, the person that created uh, Tom and Jerry just passed today. So, R.I.P. Yeah, okay. I love that show, too, as a kid. Love yeah. That. Oh, my. Who, I've watched every single episode times three. So, yeah, thank, you to, thank you to him for giving us a lot of laughter. Okay. <laughs> what is one thing that annoys you the most besides these type of questions? <laughs> yeah, um, people after shows telling you how to do your you do your act. You know, that's one of the most. Annoying oh, the Persians things. specifically. <laughs> yeah, dude, it could be anybody. Trust me, I've done shows where it's non-Persian and it's just as bad. <laughs> like, what is it? Like, just straight up criticizing? Me, like, like you, know, you should talk about more of this or do that or you know, you didn't talk about this or you didn't or why didn't you do this joke? Like, you know, some old joke they want to hear. Whatever. It's just you know. It's, it's so funny, though, because I, I'm kind of deviating from the rapid fire here, 
But like, and I'm not even just saying this because you're here because I love Maz, I love Tehran, I love whoever you perform with. Every single time that you were opening for these individuals, I really connected with your work. So like, I felt like you always like delivered, you know, like you were never an opener for me. I just felt like there's three, two, three stars over there and you're like one of them. So fuck what everybody else is saying. That's sweet of you, thanks bro. <laughs> um, do you have a favorite joke? This is part of the rapid fire. Well, probably my first joke I ever wrote, but one of the first ones, and it's a Baja Fresh joke. I don't know if you heard that one. Let's hear it. I don't know. I mean, it. nah, dude, I can't do it. You oh, is it that it. long? It's, it's <laughs> not that long. It's just I do, it, and it's so funny. It's one of the jokes I'll still do because it's, it's just really <laughs> short, but it's it was a joke. I came up with it in the car with my girlfriend. We were driving to Mexico or something or whatever, uh-huh. and we were on this long drive, and we were listening to a Mexican station. And then I just like it, the Mexican music was playing, and then I and I was like, "Babe, look, it's Baja Fresh," and I and I put pause, and then I go number thirty six, and then I played it again, you know. So it's like it, it's like you're in the restaurant, and I would do it now, and that's one of my favorite jokes to do because it's just so short and stupid. I feel like every every comedian's first joke has a special place in their heart, you know. So it kind of carries yeah, throughout their entire great. career. That one's um, what is uh what what makes you laugh? What makes me laugh, dude? There's so many guys. Like, it's so funny. There's a lot of people that comics that I'll see, like younger cats that are coming up, or like guys I came up with that that make me laugh. You know, just my friends and stuff. That, you know, they're not maybe the biggest comic yet, but you know, they're just funny. So I don't know that that type of stuff. Do you actually um, do you do you actually just go and just be a guest at a comedy store, uh, like you know, not behind the scene and stage and seeing these up and coming act. Uh, comedians or even the ones that are famous but like do you ever like go buy a ticket and just go sit at a comedy store and just go check somebody out and just be a guest i don't think now you don't do after a while you just because you're around it every night every night i'm at a comedy club, oh that's you know true I mean? so it's like yeah. you never unless it's like somebody big and then you go oh, okay i'll go buy a ticket to go watch you know somebody's maybe taping a special or something or, or you yeah. want to buy the ticket they just bring you backstage or something you know so that's I true. don't know. But yeah, we do do that. Like, you know, you'll support a homie. Like if they're taping a special, you might go to, you know, the will turn and watch it. Or like with Maz, when he was doing his, I'd go hang out with him in the green room, get him ready. Or like my buddy Dino did, you know, the, what was it? Uh, Jimmy Fallon. I go sit in the green room with him and then he goes up and does his performance. So I'll, I'll, I'll like to do the types of things like that. You know what I, what I love actually is that you really feel there's a camaraderie behind uh, comedians. I've watched a lot of Netflix specials. I watched a David Chappelle one. Um, I mean, I, I like to watch these kind of like behind the scenes stuff. And you really see a brotherhood and sisterhood like when it comes to the world of comedy. What are your thoughts about that? Well, yeah, you spend so much time with these people that they do become your family. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm closer to a lot of these uh, comedians. Like 80% of my friends are probably comedians now, you know? I, like I said, when you're around it so much, you see these people every night for like 10 years. I've been seeing the same people. So naturally, you you know, you find your, you know, guys that you hang out with or girls you hang out with in the game and, and they become your family. And, and it's like if you know somebody's a real because you'll even like the New York cats and the L.A. cats, you know, when we see each other, it's like, you know, family. You know what I mean? Because you all you all hear about each other. And then when you go coast to coast or when you're in a different city, I might be in Las Vegas and then, you know, two or three of my other homies that do comedy are in Las Vegas. And then you get together after the shows and hang out and shoot the shit because, you know, there's a bond there. You know, we're all doing the same thing. So that's the cool part is like getting to see your friends that do comedy in L.A. or New York or whatever in it when you happen to be working in a different city. And I just love that aspect of this game. What is um, your favorite comedic moment or, or, or stand-up uh, moment? Mm, 
I mean, there are some like one of them when I uh, that I that I talked about before is like this one time I was like dead broke, dude, like talking about no money. But I just knew I that this was it. That comedy was going to be it, you know, and I had zero money. And I was with my homie Dino, which is one of my like best friends in comedy still to this day. He's like a brother to me. And we're driving up to the bay to go after this comedy competition because back in the day, we, you know, I'd make, you know, you go enter comedy competitions to win a little bit of money. You might make a thousand if you win it, two thousand if you win it. This one was for ten grand, hmm. oh, ten thousand bucks up in the bay, and I had zero like money. Like we were like, not even you know hand to mouth like. Hey, That's a huge you. prize, bro. It's a huge prize. So everyone was like tripping. It was up in it was at Tommy T's. It was the Bay Bay Area Black Comedy Competition. That's what it was called. Okay. But then they called it the Bay Area Comedy Competition or whatever for this year. And it was held at Tommy T's and he had like three different clubs in the Bay. So Dino and I go, fuck it, let's just drive up because it was a deep payout, right? So if you got from first place to 10th place got paid, you know, and there's like maybe okay. 150 comedians could enter or something. So we get drive up there to enter and there's comics flying in from Chicago, New York, all over the place, Atlanta, you know, because it's a lot of money. 10 grand at that time, you know, fuck, man. And so we'd go up there and I'm like, well, we'll, we'll make something, you know? So we'd go up there with our last bit of money, dude. And like, we could stay in a hostel in uh, San Fran, you know, it's like 25 bucks a night. We're living like shit, but we're having the best wow. time of our lives, dude. The best time of our lives. Like coming up is some of the most fun that you'll have in stand up. but it seems like you're living like shit, but it's the most fun. So we drive up there, we get, you know, we get to the contest, we're doing the con, we enter the contest and it's. You know, there's three different clubs that you got to do. So every night there's like 10, you know, you go up against 10 people and 10 people and it starts to wind down like in a bracket form. And then, so we go first couple rounds and, and then, you know, we're going and we're running out of money while we're there, you know, just to <laughs> do whatever. Like it, we're down, to, I'm down to like my last, you know, hundred bucks or something, but, but I have to stay in the contest. So it's another three days, but Dino got knocked out or something in one of the rounds. So I'm like, fuck, but we got to stay and I have to stay to see this through. So I'm like, fuck it, dude. So I take my like last hundred bucks and I get us, you know, I get us the hostel again. And now we're just literally like no money. And it comes to the finals night and I have no money. Dude, literally my credit card got declined, like my debit card at the bar. I was just trying to get a drink before I go on stage or something. You know, I was really nervous or something. Card gets declined. And then uh, the bartender had given me the drink already. And I'm like, hey, would you just wait till the end of this? You know, there's like 15 people in the finals or something. And I, I think I can, you know, I'll have money at the end of this, you know, because they get paid up to 10th place. And I went on and I had one of the best sets I've ever had in my fucking career. Like one of those sets where it's like everything was just hitting and hitting and hitting. And I won the whole fucking thing. I won 10 grand. Wow. Fuck yeah. So I just, uh, that, the moment of me and Dino in the car <laughs> driving home and I just, I was just crying, dude. I was like, this is fucking awesome. Cause that's when everything was out, dude. Like literally my last dollar. And then, you know, fucking whoever controls this whole thing was like, here you go, dude, you're doing the right thing. You're in the right place. You're supposed to be doing this. And it was just, it was beautiful. Yeah. I mean, so is, is that where like you never took it for granted anymore where you're like, man, I'm going to make sure that I make the most out of this moving forward. Like, cause I feel like that was a defining moment for you. It would be. That one was just one of those moments where I go, okay, dude, I'm in the right, you know, I'm doing the right thing. Like this ain't no, like, you know, um, Oh, you know, cause I'd won contests before, you know, but it wasn't that like the stakes weren't as high as this one. And, and like, as far as my life and financial situation either. So I'm like, okay, cool, man. Now that gave me a padding to like work and not worry about, you know, cause I was always worried about money in those times, you know, mm -hmm. like, how am I going to make money? How am I going to make money? You know? And then and it wasn't even just money. It was also 150 people that showed validity because you're amongst the best. 
Right. And you're, I mean, this, it wasn't by any means like all the comics in the country, you know, it was like right, a lot of people right. were like, no, this is bullshit. It's going to be bullshit. Cause that's way too much money, you know? So they were like, this is going to be, a, so they didn't go. So, but I was like, dude, let's fucking go for it. Let's see what's up. And, and it turned out to be like, I was in line at the Wells Fargo. I remember in, on Santa Monica and I was just like in line sweating, like, is this check going to go through? And I gave him the, oh, and at, at, when I was at the club, I got $9,900 because I got a hundred dollars cash and I gave the bartender 20 bucks <laughs> and then I took the rest. I gave Dino some money, I think. And then, you know, we came home and then I cashed that nine, 9,900 and I did, I was like so nervous in line. And they gave me a stack of cash and I just put that bitch under my mattress, dude. And it was just like, I was, it was, that was one moment where I'm like, I'm doing the right thing and this is like what I'm supposed to be doing. So like, I never, never thought about it again after that, you know? And I just love it. I no other reason I'd do anything else. I love that story, man. So um, now we know where you've come from. You have some incredible moments. Um, what What's like on your bucket list with regards to your career? Like what? Where do you see yourself in two, five years? What are you pursuing? What are you trying to go after? Uh, is it movies? Is it sketches? Is it, you know, tell me. I just want to be great, dude. Literally, I know it sounds cheesy as hell, but I just want yeah. to be one of the greatest that I ever did this shit. You know, like that's what I'm working toward. And just to make, again, sounds cheesy, but like shifting toward making it so selfish for me to go on stage just to be like, oh, because it is for me. You know, I, I need it just as much as, you know, the audience goes to have a good time. I go there because I fucking need it. It's like a drug for me. You know, like I go up on stage and I get so much out of it, you know, like sometimes I like these situations where I'm in a quarantine, dude, it's like, it's, you know, you're itching to go back, you know? So it's like, yeah. I want to make that more. My goal is to like make it more, um, you know, for, for the people that come to see it and make sure that everyone's having a good time and, and treat it that way. You know what I'm saying? Because sometimes I could get dark and really, really, really dark on stage when I would be in a bad mood or something and just realize that, you know, these people have came, came to see me, they're fans of mine, you know, and just like treat it that way. You know, not 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 um, take for granted that there is a live audience there to see you because these times make you reflect and think about that. Like, I, no, I, I feel you, and at least you're doing something to connect with your fans and people, and that's through podcasts. And I know you're very active on on Instagram, which, by the way, they can find you on Amir Comedy. Um, I, I'm very curious about um, whether or not YouTube, if you guys consider that as like a double-edged sword. You know, like is it like on one hand you want to have a massive hit. On YouTube, on the other hand, you don't want all your shit out in the public. Is that what it is? I, I'm just kind of curious yeah. to get your think on. I that. mean, there's different ways. You know, some people just put all their shit out all the time. You know, and I, I, you know, I'm, maybe I did it the wrong way. And you know, I just was focusing on getting good before I put all my shit out. And then, like, eventually, like Laugh Factory would put some stuff, but I, you know, it wasn't like I wanted them to, but they would. And then those things blew up, and so. I mean, maybe I'm glad that they did it because then people got to know me. Like people still, you know, quote my bits from those Laugh Factory videos, you know, and if they didn't put it out, I wouldn't have put it out, you know. So like maybe yeah. I would have had less of a fan base or something. And even I could have done more. Sure. I could have put my shit out years ago that I don't even do anymore. But I just never wanted to put it out. I just was too precious with my material. And maybe when you asked me earlier, what would I would go back and, and change? Maybe that's what it was. I'd just fucking put out the stuff because mm. I was so in my head about like, well, I'm getting better. You know, I'm getting better. So in two years, I'm going to be better than this. Because sometimes I'll watch old tapes and be like, God, I fucking sucked. You know, and, and I'm very like perfectionist with that sort of thing, you know? Right. So it's hard for me to put anything out. And I think that's one thing that I would probably have changed is like I would have put out some material that I was, because um, now I can't even do the material because I'm sick of it. Once you're sick of the material, you can't, when you do it on stage, it, just, it looks like shit, you know? And it, 
Yeah, you can't go too far back, especially with you. Now you have these beautiful locks, you know, before you had short hair. It's a whole different persona, you know? <laughs> That's hilarious. No, I'm just saying, like, even performing them, you know? So, like, yeah, if okay. I, was, I was always like, oh, I'm going to put this all in a special. But I outgrew oh, a lot right. of that material. So you outgrow those materials. Once you outgrow a bit and you're done doing it and you're not having fun doing it on stage, yeah, you better not do that fucking bit because the audience could tell and it, it looks like shit. It's just it's a subpar performance. You know, so now it's like, I wish I would have just put that stuff up and had it out and just been like, that was my me at that time, you know, but there's really no record of that. Like the only record of me on, on fucking YouTube is like from 10 years ago. And then from like, you know, a few months back, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, that's, that's kind of like why I asked that question. Cause I was like looking and I was like, oh, okay. So he didn't want to put out a lot of different things because I know you have a lot of content. Dude, I got so like not- three hours of stuff that it just, I'm, you know, two hours of it. I'm sick of. You know, so now what? And it's on I, tape somewhere, but I just don't even feel. I mean, I, mi- I might just put it out, but it's like weird to put it out now. Yeah. Do you feel what I'm saying? When it's like it was so long. Man, ago. I think what you should do, you should make a fucking awesome one-hour documentary. Take out all your little pieces, do a little vlog, talk about it. Yeah. I mean, this is like that would be a beautiful thing, man. Your diehard fans would love to kind of get that insider look of some of your pieces from six, seven years ago, and maybe like just kind of explaining them. That's just something, you know. You're sitting at home doing nothing. <laughs> no offense. Um, but yeah, no, the, I think the podcasting is going to be great. You're already like, I love your stuff on Instagram. So you're definitely active there. I mean, content is king nowadays. So um, um, do, do, you, do you like any new up and coming Iranian American uh, entertainers? You know who's really funny and he's doing really good stuff is Nima. Nima. Nah. Yeah, he's coming on Saturday. He's yeah, my guest on Saturday. he's great, man. And I remember him coming to the shows in Toronto. Like, I remember he sent me a picture of us together. And I was like, oh, shit, I remember him. But those nice. are the type of kids I'm talking about, man. They're like, they're really good. And they're they're coming up and they're doing their thing. And it's like, yeah. and, it, and it, you know, it's, it's like, you, it makes you proud to be like, fuck yeah, dude, we got some guys coming up that are good, you know? Yeah. So there's- Do you, uh, did you have a chance to see his post from like three, four days ago or maybe last week? It was a very personal post about oh, I did about him. Yeah. Coming back and not doing and that. It, this is the yeah, thing about social media. Like I'm not a big fan. Of, like I, like, you know, you say you're like on, I'm on Instagram. I'm, I'm, if you look, I don't post shit. It's like, I couldn't mm. be doing it every day. It yeah. doesn't make me happy. You know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't make me happy. Only time I feel like doing it is when I'm like, feeling in the mood to do it you know so it's like right that's not the business way though like the business way to do it is like hey man make three pieces of content every day do this do a story gary gary v style <laughs> yeah yeah gary v so like i know and nima's really good about it but it, he's like younger and he's enjoying you know that process and that's cool but like i just i just uh i love performing dude stand up that's what i like to do yeah. and this other stuff i do is only when i feel like okay and not that i'm great at it i just like if I think mm-hmm. something's funny, I might put it up. But I'm not sitting like waking up in the morning going, okay, what the fuck do I need to do today? Because yeah. I need to tell them. Because, dude, I'm not going anywhere and I want to enjoy this moment like, and not right. be like stressing about every bit of well, well, what? Um, sorry to cut you off, but that's exactly what uh, Nima was talking about. He burned out, you know, mm-hmm. and I have so much, I have so much respect for him. Uh, like I was going to have him anyways for sure as a guest because I really enjoyed it. But then when I saw that, I immediately hit him up and I was yeah. like, Nima, man. Your message is so fucking important for the, especially younger generation yeah. of, yeah. I mean, like the, what he did, I, I really genuinely believe that there's somebody's life that was saved. There was somebody that was Absolutely. having too much pressure and I'm so proud of him. 
and I can't wait to get get to know him better as well. And so yeah, he's a good kid, uh, man. He's a really good kid. From and we message on back and forth, you know, on Instagram and stuff like that. So yeah. I, I like what he's doing, and I really like that he put that out there. You know what I mean? Because you're right. Like the pressure for these kids to do. Because even I came up in a different time of, you know, not 10 years isn't that long, but dude, shit's changed a lot. Now it's like your social media following is the fucking, you know, and so Mm -hmm. people are losing their minds over it, especially kids. You know, they don't get the likes. They don't get the views. They're like killing themselves, like literally doing that. And it's it it sucks because the validation is coming from that, you know, and. And when you get stuck in that loop of like what Nima was saying, like every day I had to create this content, you, you neglect your family, you neglect your personal life and all that stuff, which I, I just started to do through stand up. You know what I mean? Like I would neglect them because I was doing too much of that. So yeah. it's very important to like sit back and go, you know, what am I doing with this life? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like really prioritize, like what the fuck is it really that important to do the, wake up and stress out about the content I need to create today or else I'll be forgotten. You know, it's like, fuck that. Yeah. You don't need to do that. You don't have to do that. If you're great, you're great. If you're good, you're good. If you know they're going to see you. You know 100%. what I mean? It just sucks that we have that stress now. It, yeah, I mean I, I truly sympathize uh the younger generation that was literally born and raised in the social media era because I mean all they see is fakeness and these these unrealistic expectations that just makes their life miserable. Like even the ones that are blessed, they don't see it as blessed. You know, they don't appreciate what they have. Because they just keep comparing. You do have another young um, fan that definitely was looking forward to watching you tonight. Uh, it's a person who created the meme page Persian 8F, Persian as fuck. Oh, yeah. And he's like the Persian Jeopardy. I mean, oh, is that, that is awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, Afri- he's actually from I, the I West. I think Coast. I saw that or sent it to me, I think. Somebody sent oh, yeah. it to me. Yeah, it was really funny. Yeah. He's done, he's done three of them, and he actually did one yesterday, like the, the 420 special. You oh, know? that's awesome. Uh, I, I, I got to follow him. Yeah, I got to follow him. I don't yeah, think do that. The thing. Yeah, yeah it's hard to keep up with all. Like I said, dude, I'm not like always uh, you know, act- actively on there because, dude, for my mental, it's not good. Because yeah, when you're looking at all, you know, every morning I wake up, the first thing I grab is my phone. And when you start, I started to look at that thing all the time and just, it just made me sick because I'd start off like shitty, you know, you start your day off with like, fuck, I'm behind. You know what I'm That's saying? True. Yeah. Well, I mean, you've been, then you've been doing a good job of balancing out. So I think everybody should heed that advice and, and just go at your own pace. When I was doing an interview with Bita Milanian, you know, she said, you know, you have to just kind of watch for your own signals. You know, you have to listen to your body. You have to listen to your mind and, and go at your own pace. <clears throat> so uh, I would like, I mentioned to you earlier that I always like to have my guests spend the last few minutes sharing whatever it is in their mind, their heart, any kind of message that you have for our viewers. The stage is yours, my friend. Uh, yeah, well, if, if, if you're watching this, and I know like your fans probably, that are, if they're watching this, and I'm sure it's a predominantly Iranian following, right? For our community. But, yeah, majority. <laughs> majority, right? But whatever, if, if it is or if it isn't, it's like if you're, planning on doing something, you know, like just do it, man. There's like, I know that's a cliche thing too. It's like, you got to just do it and try it because it, it's, it's never going to get easier. Just jump into it. You know what I mean? Like, like Nima talks about it a lot, actually. Like he'll be like, Hey man, just do it. And I know he's a fan of Gary Vee cause he does his impression and stuff, but like yeah. those things are true, man. You know, no one's going to fucking make you do this shit. So if you're watching this and you wanted to get into stand up, just get up and do it, dude. It just don't worry about what anybody says, get up and do it. And if you're supposed to be doing it, you'll do it. You know, like you'll continue yeah. doing it. I don't know if that made sense. I appreciate it. No, man, it made full sense. And I hope uh, everybody listens to those words. And I hope everybody truly finds 
their happiness. You know, like my really one of the reasons why I do this is I, I have so many talented friends, present company included. Um, you, you, you are truly great at what you do. I mean, I'm not saying to blow smoke up your ass. I genuinely, everybody that I have on these episodes, I truly respect. I truly admire. I'm truly proud of. And the main reason, aside from wanting to just shoot this shit and just catch up and kind of get into your life, is to inspire my friends who may not know you or would like to know you and all of my guests so that hopefully they find, they break through, they find that, that inspiration, they find that passion, or at least they pursue it. And then right. once you pursue it, you will find it. You're going to hit a few walls here, but then eventually uh, you find it. And again, man, I'm super proud of you. I hope you do get back on stage sooner than later. I know the world will be a better place. When you do, in the meantime, use everything possible like podcasts and social media to the degree you like to continue uh, sharing uh, fun, funness and happiness and joy because the world needs it, man. So thank you so much for everything. You're God bless best. you and your family. Love you, bro. It was good chatting with you, dog. Oh, whatever, man. I'll see you, brother. I'll see you soon. Love you, man. Oh, Take care.